impactful week. And I pray that you guys are just as equally excited as I am to be here in the presence of God, to be in fellowship with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and to get ready to hear from an awesome message from God's word. Amen. Amen. Do me a favor. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, it is so good to see you. Say to your other neighbor, neighbor, it is about to be good. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I pray that you guys have had a blessed and impactful week. I know that I sure have. I'm super excited for all that God is doing here at Greater Impact Church. And I'm also excited to see and hear what God is doing in each of your lives. So for those of you that submitted to us, rather that be email, social media, or whatever have you, if you've submitted to us any kind of feedback or testimony, we praise God for that. It's always a blessing, joy, and honor of mine to be able to hear and see what God is doing in each of your lives. So please keep the feedback coming uh, into our social media accounts or into our email account. Uh, we definitely love to hear and see what God is doing in your life. So amen. Amen and amen. Glory to God. So family, um, as you guys know, today we will be starting a new series. Our new series is titled Awaken awaken. Glory to God. Um, I'm super excited for this series. Um, as you guys know, last week we concluded our um, Follow Me series where we talked about what it means and what it looks... I get that. I'm telling y'all, Siri going to catch Jesus one day. <laughs> um, anyways, um, our Follow Me series um, basically entailed us talking about or examining in God's word, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? What does that look like? What does that mean? And so if you weren't able to catch that series or if you should have missed any message in that series, we encourage you to go back into our uh, sermon archive. You can do that by going to greaterimpactchurch.org. You can uh, do that also by going to our YouTube page, or you can do that by downloading our podcast or doing all of the above. Um, all of those messages are still there. They'll be there for um, a long period of time. I mean, you can go back in our archive and probably pull messages from when we first launched as a church um, in 2015. So um, that just kind of shows you like how in depth that pool of uh, that library of sermons really, really is. So um, nonetheless, I, I know that it will bless you and impact you in such a significant and mighty way. Amen. But for this this week, uh, we're going to be starting our new series titled Awaken. Glory to God. Let me ask you, are you guys excited to hear this message that God has in store for us tonight? Are you guys excited? I know that I am. Um, in this series, Awaken, um, one thing I can tell you, one thing that I can assure you is that it's going to be um, heavy. It's going to be a hard hitter in a good way. Um, it's going to be that type of series where God enlightens us. He opens our eyes and he exposes things to us that we need to see and give us the right direction and how we should perceive it. Amen. Uh, sometimes, oftentimes in the Christian church and oftentimes in Christianity, we perceive things based off of someone else's belief or we believe things because um, a, a, a well-known theologian or a, a well-known biblical scholar or a well-known church leader told us that this was their belief. So naturally, we've adopted that as our belief without first praying and seeking the Lord directly or um, without getting into the actual word of God for ourselves. So this series is going to enlighten us. Um, glory to God. We're not going to go through any theological we're not going to go through any theological. I apologize, y'all. Siri on my watch is just like, woo, she she needs Jesus. Um, y'all got to pray for her. But anyways, um, glory to God. So um, in this series, we're going to examine in the word of God itself, the raw word of God, the whole word of God. We're going to examine and we're going to each week um, see what God would have to show us. Amen. We're not going to get into a lot of theological beliefs. And what I mean by that is, um, what is theology? Theology, the word theo comes from the Greek word. It's a Greek word, theo. And theo is basically man's study. And if you put theology and uh, if you put theo into ology, theology, what that is saying is it's man's study of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I know for me personally, 
anything that man has, I've discovered, anything that man is a part of is naturally flawed. Hear me. Anything that man is naturally a part of is flawed because none of us are perfect. No matter how a biblical scholar, no matter how a theologian may come off, they may appear that they know everything, they have it all together. They really don't. Same way with pastors, same way with leaders, same thing with me, right? I don't have it all together. Glory to God. There are some days that I struggle just like you guys struggle. Um, glory to God. But, you know, um, you know, I, I, I don't come before you guys giving you guys the revelation or the appearance that everything um, that I'm perfect, right? Um, the Bible says, better is he that is within us than he that is in the world. Amen. And that's what I always try to exemplify and model before you is that God is better in us than we that are in the world. And that doesn't give us the ticket to sin against God, but that gives us a ticket to um, repent. And that gives us a ticket to know that, you know, God loves us just how we are. And because he loves us, that love can transform us. It can transition us into a place where we're able to walk out of sin and walk into victory because victory has already been given to us through Jesus Christ, his son. So family, I tell you, this series is going to be very enlightening. It's going to be very blessed. I don't want you to miss not one week of it. If you can make it every week, then by all means, do so. Um, if for whatever reason you're going to be absent one of the weeks during this series, then I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check in on the website on a weekly basis or uh, subscribe to our social media pages or subscribe to our podcast. Do whatever it is that you got to do that's going to be a reminder to you um, to go back or to uh, listen to any message in this series that you may have missed or even those messages that you may want to re-listen to. Amen? Amen. So before we get into the actual word of God, I want us to open up with a quick word of prayer as always. Heavenly Father, we come humbled and gracious before your throne yet again, Father. And Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in this moment. We thank you, Father, for the word that you set apart for us for this week. And Father God, we thank you in advance for the revelation and, the, and a better understanding of your word other than the one we currently have in this moment. Father, we thank you for every person that is present here on tonight, ready to receive from your word and ready to hear a word from you, Father. We thank you, Father, for your spirit and which is already present amongst us. And Father God, we thank you in advance for moving swiftly within us and through us, O God. And by doing so, we thank you, Father, for drawing our hearts closer unto you, Father. Father God, I thank you in advance for using me to teach this word to them in ways that they all may understand and be receptive of, of it. Father God, we just give you all praise. We give you all glory and honor, Father, for you alone are worthy. And Father, we bless you on tonight. Father, we pray that you continue to bless our time together as we gather together. Send a double portion of your Holy Spirit into this place. Move swiftly in us and through us, O oh God. Draw our hearts closer to you. Father, open every ear gate, open every eye gate, Father. Soften and prepare our hearts for the forthcoming of your word. And give us a better understanding and deeper revelation of your word other than the one we currently have in this moment. Father, apply your word to each of our lives, O oh God, and help us to be better sons and daughters of you. And Father, expose anything in us that is not like you. And Father, as you do so, let us have the strength to let it go, that you may remove it completely from our lives. Father, we pray that you be blessed and glorified in this moment. And Father, as always, I pray that I would decrease, that you may increase, and that I would not be heard, but that only you would be heard, speaking, ministering, and proclaiming your word within me and through me. Father, we surrender this time up to you now, and we pray that you be blessed and glorified through it all. And we ask and pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who has taught us to pray. And the people of God said, Amen. <coughs> Amen. Glory to God. Well, church, here we go. Amen. So if you would do me a favor, family, turn open your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter three, and we're going to be reading from verses one through 19. Now, for those of you that may not know, uh, the book of Genesis is the very fir first book in the Bible, literally the very first book in the Bible. And uh, we're going to be reading from chapter three, again, verses one through 19. Now, keep in mind you, I read from the ESV version of the Holy Bible 
That is the English Standard Version. However, you may use whatever translation that you best understand or that best suits you. Um, the wording is going to be different, but the general meaning is the same. So again, that is the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 1 through 19. Now, if you're still getting there, that's fine. Take your time um, in getting there. But once you get there, please make sure that you follow along. So again, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 19. And the word of God reads, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, the serpent said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that which of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me she gave me fruit from of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and I have or and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you, and pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of or eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Amen. So let's go ahead and dissect this scripture just a little bit. Glory to God, so that we may lay a foundation that we may build up off of for our sermon, our message on tonight. So <clears throat> here we have another part of God's creation, right? We have another chapter or another visual of how or what God did in the very beginning when he created the heavens and the earth and everything within them, right? So we already know what happened in chapter one and chapter two. Chapter one, <clears throat> God basically formed the earth out of a void and he began to fill the earth with creatures, right? Birds and fish and, you know, livestock on the ground. He began to fill, <coughs> excuse me, he began to fill the earth with things, with beings, right? And then he saw everything and wasn't satisfied. So then he created a man in his likeness. <coughs> and after he created the man, he called the man Adam. And after he created Adam, 
he still was not satisfied because he saw that the man was alone. So what he did was he casted the man in a deep sleep. He took a rib from the man and created a woman, a wife, to be by his side, to be his co-laborer, to be his partner in the work, in the life that God had given him. And so he forbid them, he put them in a garden called Eden, and he forbid them to eat of a tree, a particular tree that was in the midst, in the middle of the garden. And that tree was known as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So in the beginning, God created all the earth. God gave it over to man to watch over it and to attend to it, to care for it. In the garden, God met with both Adam and Eve in the coolness of day and had fellowship with them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine living in a world where you were able to see God face to face and have personal, intimate relationship, fellowship with him? God did this on a daily basis. It says that God came in the coolness of the day. That would probably be like the evening hours, I would assume, like uh, twilight. Uh, or maybe not twilight, you know, like uh, dusk is what they call it. It'd be at dusk. So as the sun is beginning to set, God would come and have fellowship with his creation. So God met with both Adam and Eve in the coolness of the day and fellowship with them. God provided for Adam and Eve food to eat and shelter to sleep and rest while they were in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, they barely had nothing to do. They did not have any work that was required or expected of them. They had everything there provided to them by God the Father. So God provided for Adam and Eve food to eat and shelter to rest and sleep on a daily basis. God had told Adam and Eve not to eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. The enemy comes into the garden because remember, the enemy, he'll disguise himself, right? So the enemy disguises himself to be a serpent. Now, a serpent is like a snake, but it's not a snake. Because as we read later on in chapter 3, it tells us that when God began to render the judgment, he took the legs away from the serpent and said, On your belly you shall slither, and um, you know you shall eat the dust all the days of your life, right? So a serpent actually used to be like a think of like a a lizard or an iguana. A serpent used to have feet like a lizard or an iguana, right? But because the enemy used was disguised as a serpent, a serpent became cursed, and because it became cursed, its legs was taken away from it by its creator. And so therefore, it can only slither on its belly in the dirt. So the serpent, the devil, the enemy comes to Eve in the garden, knowing the original command of God, knowing the original instruction from the Lord. The enemy comes in the midst of the garden and says to the woman, he says, uh, is it true? Can you really not eat of, can you really eat of any tree in the, in the garden? And the woman's response was, well, yeah, we can eat of any tree, but we can't eat of one particular tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because if we do, we will die. And the enemy's response to that was, surely you will not die. God knows that if you eat of that tree, you will be like him, be like God, knowing both good and evil. And so what does Eve do? As the enemy's talking to her, as the enemy's deceiving her he's tempting her because it says that as he was talking to her about the fruit she began to look at the fruit and as she began to look at the fruit it became more pleasing it became more appealing to her to the point where she took of it and she ate off of the tree that God told her not to eat off of and then on top of that she gave it to her husband and instead of her husband holding firm to the word of God he gave in and ate as well. Doesn't that sound familiar? See, the more the enemy talks to us about sin, that's temptation. Temptation comes from, uh, think of temptation as peer pressure. Think of temptation as, uh, as, as, as convincing you 
to do something that in reality, you know, you shouldn't do, right? Just like Eve, we look at the temptation of whatever it is that is being presented to us by the enemy. And as we hear the enemy talk, and as we continue to look at the temptation, it becomes more appealing. It becomes more pleasing to us to the point we give in. And by giving in, we sin against God, my God. So they both had now sinned against God. And it says that God began to walk in, uh, among them in the coolness of the day. And immediately when they heard the presence of God come into the garden, they hid themselves because they became fearful for two reasons. One, their eyes were open and they knew they were naked. So to prevent shame or humiliation, they sewed together fig leaves in the form of loincloths to cover their general area so that nobody would see what was exposed, right? And then they hid themselves from the presence of God because they were fearful and knowing that they had did the thing in which God commanded them, directed them, instructed them not to do. <coughs> My God. But what surprises me is that God asked asks, asks, um, ask them a question. God says, where are you? He cried out to Adam, Adam, where are you? I, I, I'm over here, Lord. Why'd you hide yourself? Why'd you hide yourself? Because, Lord, I heard you coming in the garden, in the garden, in the coolness of the day. I realized that I was naked, and so I didn't want you to see me unexposed. I didn't want you to see me exposed. That's two. There's two. There's two meanings behind what Adam was saying. I heard you come in the midst of the garden and I didn't want you to see what was exposed. I didn't want you <coughs> to see my disobedience that is now exposed. I didn't want you to see my sin that is now exposed. And I didn't want you to see me naked and ashamed. My God. My God. The enemy knew that if he could get them to disobey God, that this would bring forth sin. And sin produces death and corruption. Sin produces death and corruption. The enemy knew that if he could get them to eat of the tree in which God commanded them not to eat off of, then they would disobey God. And by disobeying God, sin would enter the world. And by sin, Entering the world, corruption would surely follow. Death would surely follow. My God. The enemy sought the opportunity to deceive Eve. And so he did tempting her to eat off of the tree so that she could be like God, knowing both good and evil. But what Eve failed to realize was that she was already like God because she was created in the likeness of God. In return of Eve sinning off of the forbidden tree, by eating off of the uh, forbidden tree, she then tempts her husband to do the same. And shortly after they both had partook of the tree, they realized that they were naked, as I said before, and they hid themselves. Once Adam and Eve had confessed what they had done, then God rendered judgment upon them, upon mankind, and upon the land. I've said this before, and I'll say this again. Sin distorted the view of God of us. But the good news is that God restored the image of us through the sacrifice and the price that was paid by Jesus Christ over 2,000 some years ago through his death and through his resurrection. But I also say to you that not only was God's view of us distorted, our view of God was distorted. And the truth be told, if you're still living a life of sin, if you are still living a life that is not fully surrendered to Jesus Christ, if you have not accepted or received Christ Jesus into your life as your personal Lord and Savior, the truth be told is that you also are living a you also have a distorted view of God. Let me let me ask you this. When you hear of God or when you hear of Jesus, do you think of some 
some big person just sitting on a throne ready to judge you? Do you think that God is out to get you? Do you think that God hates you? Do you think that God is wanting to send you to hell? Are, 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 do, do you picture God as someone that is not merciful, not loving, not kind? Do you picture God as anything other than what the word of God actually says? My message title tonight is Distorted Truth, Distorted View. I say that again. Distorted Truth, Distorted View. Amen. One thing that we must do <clears throat> in order to be awakened to the reality of what is real what we must do in order to be awakened to the truth of what is actually happening in our lives is we must understand the why. And in fact, that's my first point tonight, understanding the why. <clears throat> Oftentimes, we make assumptions without taking the time to gather the facts. As I said earlier uh, in my introduction to the series, there are times where we base our beliefs off of what someone else has said. Instead of taking the initiative, instead of taking the time to open the word of God and dig deep in the scripture for ourselves so that we can examine for ourselves the truth and the reality of God's truth according to his word and his Holy Spirit. We should not make assumptions, but we should gather the facts. Assumptions are not based off of gathering the facts. They're based off of hearsay. They're based off of what you've heard someone else say. They're based off of what you've seen somebody else do. But we must learn how to take the time to gather the facts. So many times in Christianity and in the Christian church, Christians have oftentimes spoken in ignorance to the fact of what happened that day when man and woman fell from God's grace. What I mean by that is this. We act as though we could have done better, all the while we currently struggle with overcoming our own personal sins or temptations. I've heard people every time, every time, both when I preached and even when I didn't preach, I've heard people say things, even if it was jokingly, um, they would say things like, man, you know, if, um, I was there, I would not have done that. If I was Adam or Eve, I would not have done that. I would have told the serpent that he can go ahead somewhere. I would have told the serpent that he could um, kick, uh, bite rocks or kick rocks or whatever. I'm not <clears throat> doing that. We say that, right? We say and act as though we would have done better if we were Adam or Eve in the midst of the garden. But would we really, though? Would we really have done better? It's easy to say that now, but if you were actually there, would you have done any better than what they did? Because see, the Bible tells us that we all fall short of the glory of God, not just because of what Adam and Eve did, because see, there was weakness in the flesh. There was weakness in the flesh. And so because... <coughs> There's weakness in the flesh, church. And because they gave into the weakness, instead of holding on to the strength of God, they gave into the weakness and did the thing in which they were never supposed to do. So do we, right? No matter what your temptation was, no matter what your sin looked like, there were still times where you were tempted, where you looked at something and it was pleasing to you, all the while knowing that what you were about to give into, what you were about to do was not of God, it was sin. To only have you come back later and repent from your sin. Amen? Amen. So we can't, who are we, <coughs> excuse me, who are we that we should act as though we have it all together when in reality we don't? Who are we that we should act as though we would have done way better than what Adam and Eve did when there were many tests that we ourselves had failed when we were tempted by the enemy? 
Because your temptation looks different, because your sin looks different, doesn't mean that you're any better than anybody else. Because don't you know that God sees sin as sin? Amen? Rather, if you give in to homosexuality, rather, if you give in to looking at pornography, God sees sin as sin. He doesn't hold one over the other. The Bible says that there is only one sin that God holds above every over every other sin, and that is the sin of um, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And what blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is, is you lived your whole entire life knowing the will of God, knowing the command, the word of God, knowing what was right and wrong in the eyes of God, but you continuously live a sinful life without repentance without even making the time or putting in the effort to fight the good fight and resist the enemy that he may flee from you. That, my friends, is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We got to break out of that mentality. We got to stop allowing ourselves to get into that, that way of thinking or get into that, that posture where we act as though we could have done better than the original 12 the original 12 apostles, or we got to stop thinking that we would have done better than the Jews that had crucified Jesus Christ. Don't you know that when you willingly give in to sin, that when you willingly give in to sin, when you knowingly give in to sin, that you are just as guilty as those who put Jesus on the cross? And by you saying you're sorry, but yet continuously living a life of rebellion, by you saying you're sorry, but continuously living a life that dishonors does not glorify God. You're just as bad as those who stood at the foot of the cross mocking Jesus. So how can we say that we're any better than them, but in reality, we are just like them in a sense? My God. It's easy to stand from the outside and look into someone else's situation and feel that we could have done better, but could we really? But could we really? My God, in order to get a full or better understanding of what happened back then in the Garden of Eden, we must first understand the why. This is an important piece to the puzzle. The question, the, 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 the question is, why did God forbid Adam and Eve to eat off of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Why did God forbid them not to eat of that tree in the middle of the garden? The reason why God told them not to eat off that tree of knowledge of good and evil is because God knew that if our eyes were open to, uh, to it, to the reality of sin, we would also be awakened to temptation to give in to it. I say that again. The reason why God told them not to eat off the tree, the reason why God did not want their eyes open to sin, because God knew that if their eyes were open to sin, that they would also be awakened to temptation. And by being awakened to temptation, they may not, there is a chance that they may not overcome it, but instead give in to it. So God did it as a way to protect us. God did it as a way to protect us. To be awakened to sin is also to be awakened to temptation. Temptation and sin go hand in hand. Amen? <clears throat> temptation and sin go hand in hand. This is the why. This is the why. And because of what Adam and Eve did back then, and because of our eyes, not just their eyes, but our eyes being open to sin, now we are awakened to temptation. Amen? But now we have to live in the effect. Now we're living in the effect of what Adam and Eve did. That's my next point, living in the effect. Now we are living in the effect of what Adam and Eve did. So many years ago, do me a favor, turn open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter five, verse 12. I'm trying to get down myself, y'all, bear with me. Um, the book of Romans chapter five, verse 12. Uh, 
the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 12. And the Bible says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. I'm going to read that one more time. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, the death through and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Every last one of us here have fallen short of the glory of God. Every last one of us here have sinned against God in one way or another. This is the effect of what had occurred back in the day when God first created everything and man fell from God's grace. Because sin, because of sin, um, because of sin, the world became corrupted. So therefore, anything that is brought into the world is naturally corrupted because the world itself is corrupt. Corrupted through disobedience. That's what sin is. Sin is disobedience to the will, the command of God. Amen. Amen. Sin is like a virus that keeps spreading. We stop the spread of sin by cutting sin by its root. In order to cut sin by its fruit, we must understand what sin is. And the only way to do that is to read and live in the word of God. Let me ask you, what is the sin that is active, that is true in your life? What is the sin that you are currently caught up in that is making you stumble in your walk with God? What is the sin that you are currently facing that is that is uh, preventing you from growing closer unto God? Amen. <clears throat> your sin is not for you to be. Uh, your sin is not for you to repeat. My God. If you say that you have repented of your sin, but yet you continue to live in sin, you have not truly repented, my God. To repent means to sever sin by its roots, my God. The Bible says that one who repents is to turn away from the act of sinning against God, my God. It is not impossible. The enemy wants you to think it's impossible, but I tell you it is not impossible. If you open your Bible and you read the word of God and you began to receive and digest the word of God, one revelation that you will have is that it's not impossible, but it is very much possible for you to overcome sin. <laughs> the reason why I say that is because of this one scripture that says, better is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus is all that you need to get out of your sin. Jesus is all that you need to get out of your disobedience. Jesus is all that you need to kill your disobedience, to kill your act of sin. My God, Jesus is all you need. My God. So are you stopping the spread? Or are you, are you feeding the spread? Are you stopping the spread of sin or are you feeding it? You feed your sin by saying things like, oh, God, forgive me. But you still have the mentality of while you say, God, forgive me, you have the mentality. Well, I'm going to keep doing it again because God's grace is made new each day. But what happens? What happens when you depart this life? And no man knows the day nor hour of Jesus' return. But I will also say that no man knows the day nor hour that his or her life will end. So what happens if your life ends abruptly? What happens if you walk out the, the house and you get into a bad car accident that you don't recover from? What happens if you catch a disease that you don't recover from? What happens if your life ends abruptly? And you stand before the judgment seat of God to only have God cast you away from him because you chose to live a life of disobedience with that mentality of God, forgive me, but I'm going to still do it anyway because I know that your grace is made new each day. It's made new each day, but because it's made new each day doesn't mean that you go ahead and continue to live a life of sin. When you ask God to forgive you, you should have the mentality of saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. My God, 
You should, when you ask God to forgive you, you should have the mentality of saying, God, help me to live a righteous and holy life. Father, help me to live a life that's going to bless you and glorify you. Father, help me to live a life that is going to exemplify you and be able to be used by you for your glory. My God, my God, what is your mentality? What is your perception? My God, the effect of sin, the effect of sin is eternal separation from God. Remember, it says in Genesis chapter three that God met with Adam in the coolness of the day. This was not just a one week or one day occurrence. This was every day that God would do this. He would meet with the man and woman that he created face to face and fellowship with them. But when sin came in the garden, there was eternal separation from man and God. My God, even in your personal life. Some of you here can probably say that you've never sensed or felt the presence of God at all. Some of you here tonight might be non-believers. Some of you here tonight may be atheists or agnostics or non-believers. Saying that you've never sensed or felt the presence of God. But could it be that the reason why you never sensed or felt the presence of God is because you lived a life of sin? More than you took the opportunity to seek his presence, to seek his face. Regardless if you believe or you don't believe in God's existence, doesn't make his existence any less real than what it actually is. The only difference is for those who deny the existence of God, they're going to have a root of awakening on judgment day when they stand before the judgment seat of God and are cast into a place of torment where you are eternally separated from God. My, my, my. So the effect of sin is eternal separation from God. The reason why you can't feel or sense the presence of God is because if you live in sin and have not yet repented of your sins and turn to the one who forgives you of your sin and cleanses you and makes you white as snow and makes you righteous before the eyes of the Father, Jesus Christ, then you will never sense the presence of God. Jesus says, he is the way, the truth, and the life that no man can come to the Father lest they come through him. And the reason why that is, is because Jesus was blameless. Jesus knew no sin. He lived a holy and righteous life. But because he knew no sin, he became sin. He took your sin. He took my sin upon himself so that we could be called sons and daughters of God. So that we could have a place made for us in the kingdom of God. My God. Jesus tells us that he's the vine and that we are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. The vine is the source to life. I'm sorry. The vine is the source of life to the branches. If we're dismembered from the vine, then we have no nutrients. We have nothing, no life being distributed into us because we are broken off of the source of life. Without the vine, the branches would wither away and they would die. So let me ask you, are you connected or are you disconnected? Are you connected to Jesus or are you disconnected from Jesus? If sin is all you do in your life, then that shows me that you're disconnected from Jesus. But if you are connected to Jesus and you strive, you make the effort to live a holy and righteous life, that shows me that you're connected to Jesus and that gives you hope, that gives you confidence that you can overcome the world because Jesus has overcome the world. My God. The Bible also teaches us that the wage of sin is death. Amen. The wage of sin is death. You can't have both God and sin. You can't, you can't have a relationship with God and still live in the ways of the world. You have to pick and choose what you would rather have. Would you rather have sin and which leads to death? Or would you have God and which leads to life? While sin has already placed us in a stance where we die in our flesh, right? The second death would be eternal separation from God for all eternity. Remember, the serpent said to Eve in the garden, 
you will surely not die. The enemy knew exactly what he was talking about. He knew exactly what he was talking about. She would not have died right then and there, but she would eventually die. Just think, before sin, before corruption entered the world, there was no death. There was only life. But because sin entered the world, because corruption entered the world, it produced death. But God in his mercy has given us a second chance at, at life through a relationship and acceptance of his son, Jesus Christ, and the ultimate price that he paid for us 2,000 some years ago on the cross. Amen. So sin is death. And while sin has um, already placed us in a stance of where we die in our flesh, the second death is far more worse than the first death. The second death is to be eternally separated from God for all eternity. Even though we have to live in the effects of a corrupt world, from what Adam and Eve did, we have an alternative. Family, you have an alternative. You don't have to live in the corruption. You don't have to live in disconnection from God. You don't have to live in disobedience. You don't have to live in sin. The alternative is this. Accept Jesus Christ. Receiving Jesus into our hearts and lives as your personal Lord and Savior. That's the alternative. That, my friends, is the alternative to death. That, my friends, is the alternative to sin. That is the alternative. The alternative is righteousness. The alternative is the love and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and having faith in that and receiving that for yourself and walking in victory each and every day that you live. Jesus is our way of escape. Jesus is our way of escape. Say that to your neighbor. Neighbor, Jesus is our way of escape. My God. Lastly, I say to you this. Receive the newness of life. Receive the newness of life. Do me a favor. Turn open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Again, that's the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The word of God says, uh, give me one second. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. My God. See, the enemy wants us to be stuck in the mindset that we have to stay bound to sin and that there is no way of escape from it. <laughs> the enemy wants you to think that there is no way of escape from sin. The enemy wants you to think that you have to stay bound in the iniquity that you are now bound in. But God tells us that he provided a way of escape and that way of escape is a relationship and acceptance of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us 2,000 some years ago on the cross. Through Jesus, there is freedom. Through Jesus, there is freedom, church. There is freedom from your iniquity. There is freedom from bondage of sin. God has awakened us to the reality through his word and his spirit, his Holy Spirit, that there indeed is a way of escape and it is found in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross 2,000 some years ago. Remember, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it tells us that God doesn't allow temptation, God doesn't God does not permit temptation to come upon us that we cannot overcome. There is no temptation that you can face that is uncommon to man. In other words, that means there is no temptation that you currently face that somebody else has not already faced and overcame it. What that means is that 
if Jesus overcame it, surely you can overcome it because he has given you access to him. And because you have access to him, you have the ability, the capability of overcoming the world, temptation, and sin. Jesus offers us a newness to life. Jesus offers us a newness to life. You don't have to live your life conformed to the ways of this world. You don't have to live a corrupt life anymore. You can live a holy and righteous life just by receiving a Jesus as your Lord and Savior and repenting of your sins. Repenting from your disobedience to God. Jesus offers us a newness that produces change. You want something to change in your life? then go, call upon the name of Jesus because he has a tendency of changing things for the better. By God. A newness that produces peace. Aren't you tired of running the world scared? Aren't you tired running in the world scared? Aren't you tired of running in the world by being overwhelmed by the conflicts that you endure? Call upon Jesus. Accept Jesus that he can give you that peace and which surpasses all understanding. A newness that produces strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That even comes in the place of sin. Because see, sin can only um, take away your joy. It'll give you pleasure for the moment, but after it's all said and done, it leads into chaos. It leads into destruction. It leads into <coughs> distraughtness. It leads into uh, depression and anger and resentment. You may not feel that now, but eventually you will feel it later. A newness that produces strength <clears throat> and a newness that produces hope. We have hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have hope that because he overcame that we too and we shall overcome by the blood of the lamb. A newness that is acceptable in the eyes of the father and honored in God's kingdom. If we choose to receive this newness of life by accepting Christ Jesus, not only shall we receive eternity, there will be a place prepared for us by Jesus himself. And I leave you with that thought. I leave you with that statement. Church, Jesus has paid the ultimate price for us. He <clears throat> has willingly laid down his life that we may have it eternally, that we may have it more abundantly. Don't miss out any longer on what Jesus has for you, what God has in store for you through Jesus, his son. You may be here tonight and you may have never had faith in Christ. You may have been a non-believer or an atheist or agnostic all your life. But now God has awakened you to the truth of that, to the truth that you don't have to live in isolation from God, that you don't have to live in separation from God. Let me ask you, what do you have to lose by calling upon the name of Jesus Christ other than turning away from your life of sin? What would you rather have? Would you rather have eternal separation from God or would you rather have a conjoined relationship with God the Father through accepting his son Jesus Christ into your heart and into your life and the sacrifice and price that he paid for you freely, of course. Whatever your situation, whatever your circumstances tonight, hear me. Don't procrastinate any longer. Don't leave this place without making Jesus the centerpiece of your life. Don't leave this place without you realizing the fact that we all have a need for a Savior, that we all have a need for a Lord. You need Jesus in your life. There is no way that we can get through this life successfully without Jesus Christ. Whatever your situation is, if you, you may have been one of those individuals that you got so far in the faith, but then something happened. Maybe something happened in your old church that caused you to lose faith. 
Maybe something happened in your relationship or your marriage that caused you to lose faith. Maybe there was some tragedy that took place that caused you to lose faith and you departed the faith and went back into your simple way of living. Come back. In the book of Revelations, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. Will you let me come in that I may fellowship with you? Jesus and God our Father desires a personal, intimate relationship with us. They want fellowship with us. Will you grant them that opportunity? We invite you now. I invite you now to the cross. I invite you now to the throne of grace to make that commitment, to make that covenant with God. And I promise you that your life will never be the same. To only have God awaken you to these realities and these truths, to have you do nothing with it is, is bad. God has opened your eyes and awakened you to the reality of what is there. So now receive all that you can receive from him in this moment. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord, that he died for your sins and that on the third day he raised to life and you profess these things with your mouth then you shall be saved. Don't be the one to ask God for grace. Don't be the one to ask God for forgiveness, but have that mentality of keep on sinning. Don't do that. Instead, have the mentality of repenting. Have the mentality of turning away from the life of sin that you may fully embrace the life of righteousness. Amen. Amen. For those of you that wish to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ here tonight, start uh, start off by clicking on that blue hand on the chat there. There's a raised hand, a blue raised hand button right there in the chat. Click on that button if you wish to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ. And as you do that, join me in this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you today. I believe that you died for me. I believe on the third day you raised to life. You ascended into heaven and you are soon to come back again. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my heart and into my life as my personal Lord and Savior. Lord, help me to come closer to you. Help me to come closer in knowing you. Help me to be in a close-knitted relationship with you. Lord, break every ungodly mindset that I may have. Break every uh, chain of iniquity and sin off of my life that I may fully embrace a life of righteousness and holiness through you. Lord, if there be anything attached or a part of my life that is not like you, I pray that you would expose it and remove it for your glory. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. And I ask that you forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me and clothe me with your blood and make me as white as snow. Lord Jesus, make your home in my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. I repent of all my sins and I nail to the cross my flesh, the desires of my flesh, the world and the things of the world to the cross of Calvary. Lord Jesus, remember me and record my name in your book of life and use me for your glory as only you can. And I trust and know that you will. I receive these things by faith. And I ask and pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who taught us to pray. Amen. If you said that simple prayer, I would like to be the first to welcome you to or welcome you back to the family of God. If you have not yet clicked that blue raised hand button and you just made a decision for Christ Jesus, go ahead. Click that raised hand button. And bookmark the page that appears on the new tab or the new screen on your computer as it will formally introduce you according to God's word in a brief explanation and teaching on who Jesus is and who he wants to be in your life. I believe that if you've accepted or re-accepted Christ here today, that your life will never be the same. If you would like someone to pray with you one-on-one, or if you have questions or whatever have you, click on that live prayer button below the video feed there. And somebody on our team would love the opportunity to counsel you, minister to you, answer any questions that you may have. And uh, to be and even to be able to pray with you as well. So if you just committed or recommitted your life to Christ, welcome. Welcome back or welcome to the family of God. And feel more than free to keep coming back here to Greater Impact Church. 
We would love to have you become a part of our church family. Amen. There is no, uh, there is no paperwork required. Amen. All you got to do is keep coming back. And if you keep coming back, we will, we will receive you automatically as a part of our church family. Amen. Remember, you don't have to walk this walk alone. We can walk it together. Amen. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Well, church, did you receive the word of the Lord on tonight? If you receive the word of God on tonight, just give God all the praise. Give him all the glory and the honor for he truly is worthy of it all. Amen. I pray that you guys were blessed by tonight's message. It definitely was a blessing and honor for me to preach it and teach it to you. And um, I pray that you guys have a blessed and impactful week all, as always. And I look forward to seeing you guys on next week for week number two of our Awaken series. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, church, we're going to go ahead and conclude with our last worship song for tonight. So don't go anywhere. Um, I'll see you guys in the chat in just a few moments. And um, yeah, so um, thank you all for coming out. I'll see you guys in the chat in just a few moments. May God bless you. May he make his face to shine down upon you. And may you have a blessed and impactful week in the Lord Jesus. Amen.